where I said that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to the 34th division, I mean, excuse me, number of Psalm. We're going to try and complete this on today. Well, we will complete it, complete it on today. Last week, we talked about David praising God from a dark place in his life, a, a place in which uh, he did not anticipate him being in because David finds himself in a cave at Adullam when David should be reigning in the, in the palace as the king of Israel. He's been reduced to something that he never imagined himself being reduced to. And understand that, that at the end of David's praise, David pins these words in this 34th number of Psalms, beginning at verse number eight. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're gonna leave it right there. That is my title for this message. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I said it earlier, God is good and your response is always going to be all the time. And then usually they'll come back and say all the time and your response would be, God is good. Understand that sometimes we say things and we really don't understand the significance of it. We really don't understand what we're really saying, but you need to know and understand that there is not a truer statement that has ever been made, that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. The problem is, is that most times we don't recognize the goodness of God. And we don't recognize it because God is good all the time. And so based upon our historical uh, relationship with God, because God woke us up yesterday, and because God woke us up today, we automatically assume that he's going to wake us up tomorrow. And so what we do is a lot of times we take God's goodness for granted. And I, and I know, I know you don't want to admit that, but for the most part, we take God's goodness for granted. And the reason why I know that we take God's goodness for granted is because we take each other's goodness for granted. There are a lot of us that have stood by the graveside of a good mama and did not realize how good she was until we didn't have her anymore. There are some widows that stood by the graveside of a husband or a wife and did not realize how good they were until God took them away from them. And by that time, it's too late to really show our appreciation for the goodness of God, for the goodness of other people. The saying is, you don't miss the well until the water run dry. Because we take for granted the goodness of others. And consequently, we take for granted the goodness of God. No matter what you are experiencing, no matter what you are going through, no matter what your circumstances is, you can say that God is good to me. 
Well, you say, well, preacher, how can you say that God is good to me? You don't know my story. Because regardless to whatever your story is, you're sitting here this morning. And that is a testament of the goodness of God in your life. The fact that God woke you up this morning and gave you a mind to want to come out and to participate in his worship service is an indication that God has been good to you. You, 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 may, you, you may not be living where you want to live at. You may not be driving what you want to drive, but the Lord still made a way. And in the words of Pastor James Jones, down through the years, God has been good to me. And all you got to do is look back over your life. Look back over the, the thing that God brought you out of and over. Think, think about how he, he healed your sin sick body. You were on your way to hell. I was on my way to hell. But God saved us by his grace. That's a testament that the Lord has been good. God is good. I mean, anything and everything that God does is good. It doesn't matter what the Lord does. It's still good. It's holy. It's righteous. And understand that even your messed up, jacked up situation, God is working it out for the good. May not be good to you. But it's good for you. Everything about God is good, and it is evidence in his creation. Because in the book of Genesis, six times, the Bible said that God saw it, and it was good concerning his creation. I know you say, well, no, seven times, right? No, no. On the last one, when he created man, he said it is very good. Why? Because, man, you are his prized possession. You are the king of, king of his creation. So God said that it's good. It's good. God, God, God has said that. But the psalmist says that it's good. And in particular, David. Because if there's anybody that know, knew and experienced the goodness of God, it's, it's David. They, 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 David said in, in, in Psalm 21, he said, For thou meet him with the blessings of goodness, and thou setteth a crown of pure gold upon his head. David is experiencing the goodness of God. He goes on in Psalms 25 and says, Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. This is David. This is the, 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 the sweet psalmist of Israel. Psalm, Psalms 27 and, and 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so God, David regarded just the fact that I'm living, God is good. I can see the goodness of the Lord just because I've taken a breath and able to breathe. My lungs are still being filled with air. That's the goodness of God. But, 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 but most times we begin to look at other folk and watch how God is blessing them. And we seem to forget how good God has been to us. 
The problem is you're too busy looking at other folk and what God is doing for them and not taking enough time to look at yourself. Look at what the Lord has done for you. I, listen, I can't shout and praise God for your blessings, but Lord, I can shout and thank God for the blessings that he's given to me. And understand this, understand this, that I make no apologies for God blessing me. That, 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 church, that was a time that I would, I would make apologies for the goodness of God. I was in a place where I felt like I was so unworthy. And the, the fact of the matter is, I am unworthy, but who is worthy? Ain't none of us worthy of it. But I thank God for him being good to me. And I'll shout the victory because God has been good to me. I, I, I remember, I remember, you know, this, this pious, uh, you know, uh, fake uh, uh, humility that I had. God would bless me with something. I, I said, well, Lord, I, I thank you for blessing me with that. But God, those folk over there could probably use this blessing more than I could. This is stuff that I used to really tell myself. I said, Lord, you Take, take some of these blessings that you're giving to me and give them to them, Lord. It sounds humble. But what I was saying was that, God, they need you. I don't. Because I was trusted in my own goodness. I was trusted in my own abilities. I was trusted in my own way of doing things. And let, let me tell you something. God had no problem with bringing me down. Until the point to where I started saying, Lord, it's me that's standing in the need of prayer. God got me back to where I needed to be and understand that it's his blessing that he gives to me. That I have not earned them. It's just because of his love and his grace and his mercy towards me. That he gives them to me. And here, here, here's how it works. And you, you see it in the text. Here's how it works. When God begins to bless you so much, you can't help but want to bless God back. You can't help but want to honor God back and give his name some praise. I don't, I, don't, I don't praise God that I might receive his blessings. I praise God because I've got his blessings. Because he has blessed me so much. How, how, how can I ever sit down on my praise? They, 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 David says in, in Psalms 31 and 19, he says, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear him that fear him but one of my favorites is in Psalms 23 when David says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever David recognized the goodness of God that, 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 that the goodness of God was in hot pursuit of David. Because David was a man after God's own heart. They, they, David know how to break out in a praise and begin to glorify God regardless of his situation, which is testimony of what we're reading today in this text. This is written when things are not going well in David's life. It's a difficult time for David. There's some anxiety, perhaps, that have creeped in into David's life. David, David said, this is not where I imagined that I would be. 
But yet David is praising God. And the end of the whole conclusion is that he said that God is good. No matter what I'm going, what he's going through, David said, God, you're good. And don't take it lightly. And so David now finds himself in this cave and he has these ragtag uh, uh, men that are around him. And David begins to speak to them. He's looking back. He's speaking to them. And he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here the word taste in the Hebrew means to examine. It, it, it is to consume. It, it is to try it. He, what he's saying is that, he said, try God. And see ain't he good. Try God and see won't he, he, won't he bless you. Just give him a tie. Listen to the church, that's what I want to tell you. Just try the Lord. Try get, thanking God for his goodness and his mercy. Thanking. Oh, taste and see. And he looks at it from three different fronts. He looks at it, number one, he knows that God is good to him because God takes care of him. David was dependent upon God to do it. David realized as mighty of a warrior that he was, that there was absolutely nothing that he could do about his circumstance or his situation. Let me say, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a possible situation where there's nothing whatsoever that you can do or say to fix your situation? Well, understand, that's a, that's, a, that's a good time to recognize who God is. So what David is really saying here is he's saying that, that, that God, I'm thanking you because you are not only good, but God, you are a faithful God. How, how many of us know that God is faithful that God is true to his word, that he will not go back on his word. He will always honor his word. And if God says it, it must come to pass. David knew who to put his trust in. In the text, that's what he says. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that what? Trusteth in him. So David is trusting in the faithfulness of God, that God is going to do that. God has sent Samuel to anoint him as being king. David realized that there's absolutely nothing that the devil in all hell can do to stop him from becoming the king of Israel. Why? Because the Lord has already declared it. And there's some things that God has out there for you. But you need to understand that you must first trust him. Trust in his faithfulness. And then you must align yourself with him. That, that, that's, that's the problem. The problem is most of us are out of position. We, we, we won't position ourselves to receive the blessings of God. And you position yourself to receive the blessing of God by being obedient unto God. You, you, you can't just expect God to just drop down blessings on you just because the praises go up. No, 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 no. You have to align yourself with God. Because when you align yourself with God, that's where the favor of God is. 
God just let, let his favor just rest on anybody. Yes, even believers. It is believers that have aligned themselves with God. That are doing his will, that are not trying to satisfy their own will. God, I'm doing your will. So, so, so if you really want to experience this, you must depend upon God. You, 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 you must taste of it and see that God is good. Because the more that you taste it, the more you consume. It's not enough for you to just, to just say, that looks good. No, you got to taste it. First Peter says the same thing. You have tasted the Lord and you see that he is good. And I don't know about you, I've tasted. I know the Lord is good to me. I, I, I know God has been good to me. I know he's been good. The second thing is that we know that God is good is that God is a provider. He gives us the things that we stand in need of. God's provisions are there for us. Look at what he says. You know, David actually takes this opportunity to not only speak to the men, but to teach the men how to receive the goodness of God. Here's some things that David tells them. He said, he said, in verse number 11, he said, Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you, number one, to fear the Lord. Now, 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 some of us don't have this word fear messed up because this fear is not to be afraid of. But this is a reverent respect for God. But listen here, the Hebrew word God takes it a little bit further because what it actually means is that it's an action word. It requires some type of action behind what you're saying. In other words, if you fear the Lord, you will obey the Lord. You'll walk in the ways of the Lord. You don't fear the Lord if you're still walking in your same sinful mess that you've been doing. That's not a healthy fear of the Lord. As a matter of fact, that's the opposite of it. That, that, that's saying, God, I don't care what you think pertaining this situation. Because if you fear the God, God, once again, you'll align yourself with him. You'll walk in that fear. You'll walk in that respect for God. The problem with the church nowadays is that, that, that we have very little respect for God in the house of God. We allow all kinds of things to come into the church, to creep into the church. All manners of sin and, and, and wickedness that comes in, evil that comes into the church. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we keep it outside of the church. Too many men of God have watered down the word of God. And we're living in a time where they're, they're, they're calling good evil and evil good. Even in the church. You're talking about selling marijuana up in the church. That's sinfulness. That's wickedness. And I don't care how you try and justify it. You'll never be able to do it according to the word of God. Never be able to do it. But if you're going to fear the Lord, you need to walk in it. Here, here, here's some more food for thought. He said, what is it uh, uh, he that desireth life and love many days that he may see good, that God gives us long life, that, that we might experience his goodness? Most of you guys don't know what the Lord did to get you to today. God didn't even let you see some stuff. There's some dangers that came upon you. You didn't even know what's coming your way. 
but God shielded you. And this is a demonstration of his goodness for you in your life. And so we need to recognize that, that, that it was God that kept us. Satan desired to destroy us. Why? Because he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the goodness of God, it's the goodness of God that follows us all the days of our lives. God has been good to you all of your life. Don't take it for granted. Because just because God woke you up yesterday, there ain't no guarantee he's going to wake you up tomorrow. So each and every day, you wake up, you ought to say, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for, for, for your waking me up this morning. Look at here. He goes on to say, listen here, and this is key. He said, he said in verse 13, he says, keep thy, tongues, thy tongue from evil and thy lip from speaking God. In other words, he said, he said keep my tongue from gossiping, from speaking ill on other folk. If we would take more time dealing with our own issues and our own problems, we won't have place to be speaking ill about anybody else. David is telling his men, as mighty as you are, you're warriors, but you need to know how to govern your tongue. This is what James says in James 3. He said, he said that no man can tame this tongue, but God can tame it. If you, if you would go to God and ask God to fix my mouth, keep praises coming out of my mouth, that gossip can't come out as well. We spend more time encouraging people. We spend more time uplifting other people like the Bible tells us. This, this, this is how you really know that the goodness of God is with you. But as long as you're lying, cheating, and deceiving, there is no goodness there. You, you, you don't, you don't want to cut off what God is doing. We got to walk up right before the Lord. And God has already given us the power to do it. If you've been born again, you got the spirit of Christ living inside of you. And he is the one that gives you the power to be able to shut your mouth sometimes. That there's some time that, that we just need to. You know, mama, you say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, shut it up. David is giving them the recipe of walking in the goodness of God. Look here, he said, you must depart from evil and do good. Those things happen at the same time. Departing from evil is the beginning of doing good to other people. Don't, don't, don't let the evil, evil reign in your body. And understand, listen, it, it all starts with how you're thinking. And I think for the most part, our thinking has been skewed. Our thinking is wrong. Because some of us think that if we tear down other people, it'll make us look taller. 
And that's absolutely not the way that God operates. Did you not know that God got enough blessings for everybody? And you don't have to tear anybody down to receive their blessing. It doesn't work like that. God has already predetermined what he has for you. And what he has for you is sufficient for you. You don't, you don't need to go looking and trying to get anybody else doing all kinds of wickedness and evil to get somebody else's stuff. That, that, that's the problem today in this world. Folk don't want to work for nothing. They'd rather knock you in the head and take what you have. Something that you've worked all your life to, to, to acquire, they want to take it from you. David is saying here, that don't, don't, don't be like that. Don't do evil, but do good. Even, listen, even Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, do good to those who do evil towards you. Love your enemies. I know that's hard to do. And if you come to Bible study, we'll explain it a little bit better for you. That's an invitation to Bible study. But we're to love our enemies. We're to do good to them that wrong us. Once again, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what we need. We need to rest and rule on the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's one of the good things that God has given us, that when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came in with him. And it is there to seal us until the day of redemption. In other words, God is saying that I'm able to keep you if you would just submit yourself to me. If you just surrender yourself to me. I told you last week, a lot of us are battling some things we ain't got no business battling. A lot of us are fighting some fights we ain't got no business fighting. Because God has already won the victory for you. He's already done it. He's just waiting on you to submit yourself to him. Most times we make things worse rather than better. So he says that we're to depart from evil and do good. To seek peace. Not just seek it, but to pursue it. To be peace chasers. To go to extraordinary lengths to make sure that you maintain peace. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't like a whole lot of confrontation. I'd much rather have a peaceful resolution. But dealing with people, you, I come to find that you, you, you won't get that all the time. There, there, there are just some people that, that are out there that, that love confrontation. And the devil knows exactly who to send your way to get you to react in the wrong manner. But the Bible says that as much as lies within you to live peaceably with all men. And understand that, that, that what's lying within you? It's the Holy Ghost that's lying within you. So he gives you the ability to be able to live peaceably with all men. I know you didn't want to hear that. Because y'all got some neighbors like I got. That make it difficult to live peaceably. But it's the Holy Spirit that overshadows me, that gives me the ability to be able to, yes, even live peaceably with them. 
The neighbors from hell. That's what I've labeled them. But God is working it out. God is working out. God, I, listen, I see, I see God changing them every day. Every day they, 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 they do something. Let me know that God is still working. So in other words, it works if you will submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Look here. He said, he said, and then he, he said, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and he, his ears are upon and open to their cry. This tells us that God sees everything. Listen here. Not only does God see your actions, but he sees the motives behind your actions. And so we must make sure that our motives and our intent is right as well. Because God sees beyond just this mere flesh. God sees the heart. And God knows your heart. And our heart is not always in the right place. Hello, somebody. At least I testify. Mine ain't always in the right place. But I know that there's still mercy and grace for that. And I know that I can go before God and repent and ask God, forgive me. Write my heart. Get my heart right. I've said some things. I've done some things that I know wasn't right. And I've got to ask God to forgive me. I've got to get it right with him first. And then I must get it right with you. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what his word says. And what his word says is what his word means. And it goes for each and every last one of us. He said, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And you don't want God against you. If you got an enemy, you don't, you don't want it to be God. Because the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And that's why I try to shun evil as much as I can. Because I want to be in the, in the face of God. I, I, I want to be in the presence of God. And I cannot be in the presence of God if I have evil intent in my heart. I, I, I cannot go before the Lord and ask him and petition him for the things that I want. And I know that I'm not right in my heart. This is a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart. And this is God the one that can change hearts. He said that I changed the hearts of kings. And if God can change the heart of a king, he can change my heart. Because if you really look at it, most kings are narcissistic. They think they're deity in and of themselves. But God can change their heart. He can change our heart. Listen here, listen here. You just got to want him to do it. If you, if you don't want him to do it, then he's not. You must be a willing participant and say, yes, God, I surrender to you. Fix my heart. But for the most part, most of us can't get there because we can't admit that we're wrong. That we're messed up in some kind of way. We must first come and admit it. And then we must submit to God's will in our lives. And thirdly, we see that, that, that God helps us and saves us through our afflictions and our troubles. And yes, even the enemies that will come against me. 
Look at here in verse 17, he says, and the righteous cry and the Lord heareth them. Now understand here, cry actually is the same type of cry that a baby would do. And, and, and there's only two reasons really why a baby will cry. And that is because either he's hungry or there's some type of pain that is there. And most of us need to cry out before the Lord because most of us are still dealing with some old issues, some old pains that are bothering us, some old circumstances that have wounded us. Some of us are dealing with some church hurt that people have hurt you right here, even in the church. And you need to cry out before the Lord because understand this, that it is only God that can fix that. So, so some of us are dealing with pain of a loss of a loved one and we still have not gotten over it. But God will come in and heal and mend every broken heart if you will allow him to do it. It's a matter of surrendering. You'll hear that quite frequently from me. Is that we must surrender. We must submit to the Holy Spirit because he desires to do the work. He, he's got the power. He's got the authority to do it. We just got to let it manifest in our spirit. Let it work in us. He said that when we cry out before the Lord, David had stretched out and cried out before the Lord, and he knew and was confident that God would hear him. Now, now, now understand that, that God does not hear every cry. And if you have not come into a right relationship with him, if you have not repented of your sins and become a child of God, God will not hear you. The Bible says, for God does not hear the prayers of a sinner. It is the prayers of the righteous that avails much. You got to come through the door before you can experience the blessings of God. Before you can have the privilege of praying to God. You've got to be in a right relationship. Listen, Jesus, Jesus alludes to it when he teaches them how to pray. He says, our father. Father is a relational term. It implies that you have a relationship with the father. But the wicked, the Bible says that he will not hear. It's not that he cannot hear. God won't hear it. Because what God wants you to do is turn to him in faith and ask him to save your very life. Ask him to clean you up that you may be able to come to his table and partake of his goodness. But on the flip side, God is good to all of us. The just and the unjust, God is good too. As a matter of fact, in Romans, the second chapter, the fourth verse, it says that it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. So what God is really saying is that, that, that you ought to be able to look at the goodness of God and it kind of convicts your heart and leads you to repent of your sin, to come out of your sinfulness. You, you, you don't want to get to a place to where you start taking for granted God's blessings and his mercy that he has towards you. God has given you some stuff that you've not even asked him for. He's blessed us with some things that we've never even come to his presence with. 
I don't know about you, but he has me. He said he delivers him out of all of his troubles. Each and every one of us have had troubles. If you're not in trouble now, you just may be headed for some trouble. Because that's what this life brings us. It's just called life. Look at here, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and he saveth such as is of a contrite spirit. This is dealing with the innermost man. The reality of it is, is that God is really trying to get us to a place of being broken in our spirit. You know, most of us were like wild stallions. We went and we did whatever we wanted to do. And there is time that God has to break us. He has to ride us and keep riding us until he breaks us. And I told you, I told you when, when I was preaching from Nehemiah, one of the driving forces in your service to God is what breaks your heart. That's what drives your passion. When God breaks your heart over a matter, a situation, that's what drives your service to God. That's what makes you commit to doing what God would have you to do. That's what will put all of your plans on hold. You'll stop doing what you want. All your ambitions go out the window. And you say, yes, and amen, God, to whatever your will is for my life. Look at here. He said, the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, and he saveth us that have a contrite spirit. God can't save you until you've been broken. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Many are the afflictions. The Bible tells us that we have these light afflictions, but God delivers us out of them all. Let me read these, and then, then we're going to close. He said, he keepeth all of his bones, and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. This is the part that is good. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. This is a promise from God. This is a promise in God's word right here. He said that if you, uh, you've been redeemed of the Lord, God is going to see about you. He's going to make sure that you have everything that you need, that you won't be desolate. So, so, so understanding the goodness of God as believers in Jesus Christ, we experience and taste God's goodness and his grace when we observe the beauty of his creation and recognize his blessings, his provision, and his protection. We taste and see that the Lord is good when we contemplate his holiness and his infinite righteousness. We delight in his goodness when we appreciate the cost that was paid for our very soul. And that cost was Jesus Christ himself coming down here through 42 generations, offering himself as a propitiation for our sin. Yes, he did. He came down. He took on the form of a child, wrapped in swallowing clothes and lying in a manger. He rose up and began to do good. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. This is all in his goodness. This is a good thing that Jesus, Jesus showed us how to do good things. He's been good to us. 
Yes, he went about healing all the sick, all of those that have some type of infirmity. Jesus did it. But the greatest good that he did was when he went on up to Calvary's cross. When he marched up to Calvary's cross. When they nailed him in his hands. Nailed him in his feet. Pierced him in his side. Put a crown of thorns on his head. And he died upon that cross. He gave up the ghost. He said, Father, into thine hand I commend my spirit. He died. They buried him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. I tell you, God has been good. And he's still good, even to this day. God can't help but be good. Because good is who he is. It is not what he does. It's who he is. He's good. And I'm saying, don't, 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 don't take advantage of it. Don't take it for granted. Every time you take a morsel of food, you ought to say, Lord, thank you. Every, every, every time you cough and you recover, you ought to say, Lord, thank you. Every time you go to the doctor's office and there's good news, you ought to say, Lord, thank you. And even if there's some bad news, say, Lord, thank you, because I know you're still working it out. The Lord is good. And yet he's going to come back again. You see, because we're going to give up these bodies. These bodies that are susceptible to illness and sicknesses. God is going to give us a change, a glorified body. And I'm looking forward to that time. When he comes back for his church. When he raptures his church. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. So it is taste and see that the Lord is good. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. If God has been good to you, why don't you come on down? The door to the church is open. Is there one? All it takes is a simple step. One step of faith. The Lord is good. We offer salvation. Is there one?